Hello and welcome to the History of Yugoslav Football Podcast. And uh, as promised, it is a sort of update on what's going on in the weird and wacky world of football in the former Yugoslavia. Um, this time we are sort of narrowing our focus. Previously when we've done these sort of update um, podcasts, they've been very much just doing a very brief overview of each uh, nation within the former Yugoslavia and um, sort of trying to do a bit of a seven in one and you know, not getting into too much detail. This time we're going to do it a little bit differently. Um, I wanted to do sort of a, as a quarter of the way through the season for both of these two leagues that we're going to look at today, uh, do sort of a quarter term update, sort of school report type thing. I don't know, you know, it's a format other podcasts use and people like them, so we'll see how it goes. Um, so the two leagues we're going to be under the spotlight today is purely uh, the Slovenian Liga and the Croatian INL. Um, we will probably do uh, more leagues as we go along. Um, you know, obviously just for some it's a little bit more difficult than others in terms of, sort of accessing footage for games and things like that. So um, I suppose probably what would be a very good thing just to sort of to start off with, because I know there will be people on here who don't really watch um, the games and don't, you know don't know really who I'm talking about. So just sort of to give a guide of the resources I use. Um, so firstly, you know, if you're listeners and you actually work in football, you think, oh, can't you just go on Wisecout? You can't actually just go on Wisecout for everything, unfortunately, because, for example, the Kosovar League isn't on Wisecout at all, um, which, given that's one I scout quite a bit, um, is quite troubling for me. Um, but, you know, fortunately for the remainder of the leagues, uh, footage is quite plentiful in if you know where to look. Um, the three easiest ones to look at are Slovenia, Croatia and Serbia. Just go on to the league's um, YouTube pages and they will have highlights up very quickly. Same nights as the games. Um, and some are better presented than others. Um, I think certainly the Hainel's presentation is uh, the best of any league in the region. Swiftly followed by, the, by Slovenia, uh, then Serbia. But Serbia is some way off that. Um, the, the second one, I always recommend, is to follow uh, the Arena Sport YouTube channel. So that is a regional broadcaster um, which puts up highlights of the Serbian games, but more importantly, it's where you're going to get uh, highlights of your Bosnian games from. Um, it used to be that they put it up on the uh, Bosnian FA's uh, own channel, but they don't do that anymore, which is really unhelpful. <laughs> Going further south, um, Montenegro is basically, unfortunately, it's a wide scout only uh, one, really. It is very difficult to find much footage from. The best source I've found so far um, with it on YouTube is uh, some guy who just uh, records and posts up every single Ruda Pavia game, um, which is, yeah, is a hobby, I suppose. Um, but obviously, he's probably not been able to do much of that this season so far. Um, they do put some goal, hi goal highlights and things like that on their Instagram page as well, which is just uh, Telecom CFL. Uh, so that's one definitely to have a look at. Um, Kosovo is again an easy one to follow. Um, it is again another YouTube channel. This is a very 
good YouTube channel, possibly my favorite YouTube channel there is, which is Albanian Soccer, um, which is real politics. I think it got booted off YouTube a couple of weeks ago and then has come back just in time. And that has the full Kosovan League, so all the highlights and occasional live games, and also does the, you know, as the name suggests, does the Albanian League as well, the Categoria Superiore, uh, which came back last week. So yeah, that's a very good place to get all your football. And the final one is the North Macedonian League. And I'm going to be entirely honest with everyone listening to say I have not yet really found a way to watch that reliably uh, yet. Uh, generally reliant upon club channels. Um, I think Shkendia is possibly the only one where you, know, you really know you're going to get every highlight you want week in, week out. Leaving that little viewer's guide to one side, we're going to focus, as I say today, just on the Slovenian and the Croatian leagues and give ourselves a bit of a half-term report uh, on them. So we're going to start with the big boy uh, of, the, of the entire region, which is, of course, the Croatian INL. Uh, currently uh, led, we'll go from top to bottom, uh, by Dinamo Zagreb. So Dinamo uh, obviously haven't reached the Champions League this season. Uh, but have uh, got themselves into the Europa League group stage. They, they top their group currently after two draws and uh, one win last week over Wolfsburger. Um, currently, <laughs> the current account stands with one goal scored, zero conceded. Um, and they, there certainly was a lot of doubt over Zoran Manic coming into the season. But it is fair to say they are starting to purr a little bit. Um, you know, they beat Istomar 5 0. Yesterday, uh, extremely impressive in doing so as well. Um, you know, Easter obviously coming off beating Hajduk the week prior. Um, we are seeing um, certain players still play very well for them, and you know, come out looking very well, very good indeed. Such as uh, Mario Gavranovic, uh, in particular, sort of reborn this season and keeping uh, Bruno Petkovic out of the side on merit. Uh, while some you know, pr sort of previous mainstays of the Bilic era uh, are still able to perform, uh, in particular Mislav Orsic um, is you know, keeping up the, the high standards he's had sort of the past couple of seasons. Uh, we'll see new blood in the middle. Uh, Lodromaya has taken a very important role for them in the midfield. Uh, and we're also seeing uh, Christian Jakic. Uh, who's got a brilliant goal against Istra uh, come through as well. So, so, so far it's a season they can be satisfied with. It's not, you know, for a club like Dinamo Zagreb, ultimately you want to be in the Champions League. Uh, you you have your two targets, which is get to the Champions League and win the title. They're more than likely going to win the title. Everyone knows that and no one <laughs> has to explain why that's the case. Um, getting to the Champions League obviously didn't happen this season courtesy of Ferenc Baros. Um, but you know, they are beginning to look like a, a more imp impressive side as the season goes on. We'll obviously see how that uh, carries on going forward into the spring. And it's probably fair to put a big, big circle around their next game on the return from the international break on the 21st when they travel to the club in second place and managed by their former manager, Nina Bilica Osiak. Now... Osijek are a funny side because they have a lot of players who 
I don't rate, um, <laughs> but they're doing very well, such as um, their key performance so far this season has been uh, striker Ramon Mieres, um, who you may remember uh, from times gone by when he was playing for Easter a, a couple of seasons ago, and he was he was all right. I mean, he, he wasn't anything uh, overly special, but you know, he's, he's come out in boots. They're really getting the best out of him. They are on a, uh, an incredible run of form, uh, save for drawing against um, so for drawing against Hajduk this past weekend. They had won six in a row uh, since Boots has come in. They look a very <laughs> different, really attacking, really attractive outfit to watch. I think we've seen some great performances from some players, in particular Mario Pili. Um, and you know, they're sturdy at the back as well. Um, we certainly always knew that when Bielitsa came into Osijek, he would be improving them pretty quickly, possibly to the extent where they would challenge for the title next season. They're ahead of schedule, um, is, is how they're going at the minute. And if Dinamo do slip up, and certainly if Osijek are able to beat them uh, on the return from the international break, then you're looking at them really being title challengers this season. Um, and you know, they have the best manager for it uh, in Bielitsa. Um, you know, he's obviously been there, done that with Dinamo in past couple of years. He knows the players, he knows the weaknesses. Um, and that poses a really big challenge for Zoran Manic to, to deal with going into that particular game. Now, once we go past Osijek, then we sort of get into the uh, COVID issues in terms of teams who've uh, got a couple of games in hand. First of which is uh, HNK Gricha. Now, um, Gricha were uh, leading the league for a short period um, and were in very good form, um, primarily thanks to um, the rather special wand uh, that is the uh, boot of Christian Modric, um, who yeah, certainly on more than one occasion this season has just, as I'd sort of like to say, lovriched sides. Um, <laughs> sometimes he just gets over a dead ball and has a day where he's on and you just, you know, you don't stand a chance because you know he's going to shoot from 20, 25 yards and you know it's going in. Um, they struggled in the first half of last season um, after sorry, the second half of last season on the return from lockdown under the management of the Lithuanian Vladas Tabrasios, um, who, you know, when you listen to him, because he does all his interviews in English, which is very helpful for me, um, you know, he certainly talks a good game, talks very intelligently about um, about his side and certainly seems to get it. Um, I get that it was more to, there was always more to come out of the team than he was showing, and he's getting that so far this season. Also going to benefit from having a really kind schedule in so much as it's very balanced between them meeting the poorer teams in the league and the better teams in the league. It goes like the four worst teams in the league, then the five best teams in the league. So they're always going to be able to get some momentum going uh, when they're running into big games, you know, as long as they're performing to their potential. This could, maybe should, be the season that they make the breakthrough into the European spots, but we'll get onto why that might be the case a little later. Um, so they have two games in hand uh, on Osijek and Dinamo. Uh, 
Uh, and the other side who have two games in hand at the minute are uh, Croatia's other Europe League group participants, Rijeka. Now, Rijeka have had not the funny season so far. In so much it's been quite inconsistent. We're seeing the very best bits of um, you know, what I see a lot of some people term as a Rossman ball um, from their manager, Sven Rossman. They play a very attractive style of football. Um, but, you know, they've had to play a lot of football. And in amongst that, there's been some extremely mentally taxing games. You know, they came out of losing 4-1 to Eze Alkmaar, for example, and then lost straight away to Dibinik, uh with a man sent off. And when you're playing this sort of Europa League schedule, as it is this season, it's Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, and it is relentless. Um, it's been difficult for them to sort of get the rest the teams they want out on the park every time their Europa League campaign is quite aside from you know obviously getting into the group stage you know beating Copenhagen in hilarious fashion um, they have done themselves credit you know um, they were impressive against Real Sociedad uh, they were very impressive uh, and pushed Napoli uh, you know to, to the limit and if uh, arguably if Robert Nuric hadn't gone off injured early on you know, they've been able to do a bit more than that because his goal in that game was excellently taken um, I am certain that we will see them come on as the season goes on um, that's not to suggest they're attached in any way shape or form so um, I realise I haven't said points totals as things now so Dinamo on 26 Osijek 20 uh, both having played 10 games then Gorica uh, with 8 games played on 16 points and Rijeka eight games played 15 points so you know they're still very much in touch if they're able to win those two games in hand then you know we could be talking about net being on 21 points and being net the second best team in croatia i don't quite think they're at that stage right now um, i certainly think osiak would probably be a, a fairer bet to uh, be above them in the table when the league comes to an end but it shows you know, the progress that they've made under uh, simon rosman and that for my own personal thoughts on Rosman in terms of how he can get his side playing in big games and tight games uh, against big teams you know from Slovenia he his reputation was very much that he was able to create a side that were you know, as you sort of say flat track bullies they were able to really hammer the smaller sides but then really flat to the seed against the larger ones against Umarivals and Olympias this Rijeka team seem a bit cannier than that and that's a really good progression for him uh, going forward and I would expect if he is able to get Rijeka into second or third this season and you know, make a real push at uh, well, what will be the uh, Europa Conference League next season I would expect there's another rung up the food chain uh, for him to go to and someone to take a chance on him in you know maybe not a top five league but you know maybe in france i think so i think france might be a top five league i can't really uh, <laughs> really re remember what the what the so-called big leagues are because i don't follow them um but th you know someone in austria switzerland portugal somewhere like that might want to take a chance on him in fifth having played 11 games on 13 points uh, are promoted sibenik and uh, obviously for them to be in fifth right now is pretty impressive well done them they've beaten Rijeka, they've beaten Heidel, 
uh, and this past weekend they defeated uh, Valentin uh, with a hat-trick from Australian striker Denny Jurich. They see this season have been taken over by um, Columbians, uh, so there is some change expected in at the club at some point, putting it probably going to be January or next summer rather than anything having happened already. Um, but the guys who performed for them last season have performed for them this season so far. Uh, Marco Mulat in the middle is you know, a quite exceptional talent and he will be at a bigger club come the summer um, for decent money. Uh, midfield, uh, sorry, winger Prince Ampem is just all action uh, and certainly a player you want to get accustomed to because I think he is uh, another one due for a bigger move than uh, certainly than, than Suvenik uh, and possibly than anything he gets in Croatia. Uh, and you know, possibly the only one who's not has been Denny Juric, who's uh, been playing up front but has sort of been in and out of the side as things have gone on. Then in sixth, in sort of their traditional mid table void, are Slavin Lupo. And there's very little to say about them. They've only won two games this season, but with five draws uh, and with the very impressive headwear and just get up of manager Tomislav Stipic, um, you know, they have sort of won friends just by being Slavin. Uh, they're sixth, they'll finish seventh. Uh, come the end of the season that is kind of just what they do uh, and you know there's, there's nothing wrong with that and there's always always very little to say about them um, one team there's certainly a lot to say about are a team in seventh again on 11 points uh, with Slavin uh, having played nine games and that is Hajduk now um, if you listen to the uh, Croatian football podcast uh, with uh, Lovren Nikolaj, then you'll, I'm sure, uh, be able to tell you a lot more about what's going on at Hajduk than I can, because he is actually a Hajduk fan, and uh, I'm sure by the end of the season would, would be considered a long-suffering one, uh, because this season really isn't going well at all. So obviously at the start of this season, uh, manager Igor Tudor uh, left to join the backroom team of Andrea Pilo at Juventus. Uh, and... Uh, Tudor's assistant, Harry Lukash, took over the team. Now, the problem that that sort of led to is obviously that there was continuity without there being continuity. Tudor's time at the club had been uh, mixed, to say the least, um, and had resulted in you know, quite a bit of discord in the dressing room. And that's not something that sorted itself out, uh, to be quite honest. Uh, Hajduk, really only got worse and worse I and mean, when we look at that um, loss uh, at Bolia to Sibinik they were absolutely atrocious at the back uh, you know you really could have put a uh, good video together of just the defensive sins that they were committing uh, and you know, really did deserve that defeat there's absolutely no doubt about that they haven't won in four games uh, and uh, replaced Lukash this past week with uh, a person who was sort of the head of uh, the youth academy uh, and a name all Arsenal fans will be familiar with, of course, from the back room of Arsene Wenger, Boro Primarac. Now, Primarac has, is there, according to the new chairman, uh, Jakubusic, uh, 
until further notice. So we don't really know um, <laughs> what that means. Um, some see it as short-term, some see it as maybe less short-term. It certainly doesn't seem like Heidecker in a massive rush to be replacing him. We will you know, sort of see how that goes, but it, it's not an ideal thing. And you've got, when we talked about the qualities of sites further up the table, Osijek, Gorica, Rijeka, um, there's no real reason to expect that their momentum is going to be slowing anytime soon. So Heidek do have a lot of ground to catch up just to get into the European places, you know, barring winning the cup. Heidek have been in Europe, save for a couple of seasons where they were uh, made ineligible because of shenanigans, um, for every single one of the past 50 seasons. But it's quite hard to actually see a path back to them at this point as to why that would continue into next season. Um, which is a big statement to say, and something I'm sure will bite me come the end of the season. <laughs> when you look at their next four games, you know, talking Slavin Lupo, who, okay, you know, Hyduk should be beating, but they're a decent side, and we've sort of just talked about they are draw merchants, so, you know, you could easily see them maybe they're getting one point from that. Then they're away to Lokomotiva, who we'll get on to in a minute. Then they're away to Dinamo. Then they host Rijeka. So that isn't the easiest run, particularly having Dinamo and then Rijeka uh, on the bounce. That is uh, a particularly nasty pair of games. Um, and should they lose both of those, then you really would be struggling to see uh, how Haddock would be getting into Europe, because they, you know, you'd be talking about then maybe being eight, ten points behind uh, Rijeka. Uh, and once you're at that sort of level, you know, e even at this early stage of the season, you, you're playing catch-up, and you're playing catch-up for the rest of the season, which you don't want to be doing against good sides. Then we go down from Hajduk into the bottom three, uh, who are separated currently only by one point, uh, which is Istra, Lokomotiva, and Varosin. So... Lokomotiva are ninth, and we'll start with them first, purely because they're probably the team you don't expect to be there. They, of course, were second in the table uh, last season. So what are they doing here in ninth, second bottom? Well, it's quite an easy one. So basically over the summer, all their players went to Dinamo. Um, <laughs> it is um, <laughs> somewhat flippant, but it is pretty much true. Lilian Castellati, of course, went to Dinamo. Marco Tolic went to Dinamo. Ivo Gibic went to Atletico Madrid. Uh, with Atletico uh, playing it, firstly, a very pretty game for him, and secondly, sending a, a goalkeeper called Adrian, uh, I think Adrian Rodriguez, uh, to, to grab in uh, replacement. Now, unfortunately, Adrian didn't seem to be very good. So uh, they've had uh, their previous backup, Kula Sanfandia, uh, in goals and he has actually done quite well you know, he certainly was watching uh, the Rijeka game uh, this morning the highlights of that and um, you know, he made a couple of really good saves in that game but uh, you know the, their issues are further up the pitch and they've only scored seven goals in ten so far this season and that's sort of in spite of having a few players I really really do like Sheriff Kalaku in the midfield is going to be a big player um, in my in, in my own estimation and they've brought in uh Josip Pivaric uh, the Croatia uh, 2018 World Cup 
uh, Sylvan Edwards, uh, who was you know playing in that semi-final against England, uh, was at uh, Dinamo Kiev and has come back to Zagreb. And you know, I can assure you, was is on a surprisingly reasonable wage. Um, they've also brought in uh, Nikic Jelovic, uh, again, you know, former Croatian international striker. Now he's sort of there, just in the back room, to lend experience to uh, to the team and. Uh, to uh, guide the some the very talented young players they do have at the club, but this season just sort of has just gone a bit wrong. And you know, sort of their main loanee uh, for the season was uh, Mario Kuzje from Dinamo. Now Kuzje has been brought back to Dinamo um, because Dinamo uh, need him to sort of just be around to be back up for um, their Europa League campaign. Uh, which is you know, obviously very annoying if you're local FIBA. Um, there are signs, and there's absolutely no doubt that local FIBA will turn it around to some extent. They're probably just going to finish sixth or seventh this season, um, and that's going to be their ceiling this year. But you know, I would certainly still keep an eye on them in terms of if you're looking at specific players. As I say, you know, I think Kamaku is a very, very good player, uh, and you know, as we've seen consistently, Lokomotiva's scouting and recruitment from the sort of southern Balkan region, so the Macedonia, Kosovo, Albania, is uniformly excellent. Uh, you know, obviously we've seen that pay off uh, with the sale of uh, Mikko Rizumi uh, this past summer, going to Fenerbahce for I think it was three million. Uh, we're seeing it with Indrik Tucci up front, uh, really getting his chances and starting to take them now. Uh, and become you know, a consistent uh, high nil level striker. For the other two teams, we obviously have Isra and Varazin. Now, what are Varazin doing there? Uh, they have lost five on the spin. Um, it will come as a surprise to many people because Toplak, uh, their manager, is probably most people's favourite manager in the league, um, just in terms of of what he's able to do with these smaller sides and what he did with Varazin, you know, to the end of last season you know, was extremely impressive. It's just not been replicated so far. Um, this time around, you know, the last time they won England was uh, beating Isra. Um, now, in between, they've lost 1-0 to Osijek, 2-0 to Hajduk, albeit they were down to 10 men, 2-1 to Dinamo, 2-1 to Rijeka, 2-1 to Slavin Leopold, again they were down to 10 men, and then this past weekend, 3-1 to Sivanik with the hat-trick from uh, Dan Juric. They are just quite simply looking like a side who are out of form, um, which obviously losing five on the spin would sort of tell you, but um, but more than that, you look at the sharpness of players, um, you know, Jorge Obregon up front was extremely sharp uh, in, over the summer, uh, um was one of the top performers in the entire league last season and he's not reached those levels since and you know, obviously it would be remiss to mention that they previously had uh, Ivan Nevisic uh, on loan from Rijeka in goals last year now he's now you know, Rijeka's first choice goalkeeper and so that sort of st so shows you what quality he was in, in, in that so they've not been able to uh, understandably not been able to replace that Finally, then we do have Isra, who are uh, in eighth. Um, they're a mess of club, as I think most people 
No, um, they're run by uh, Bastuni Group, so group who own Alibes, and it's not been effective the past couple of seasons. Now, they have had a couple of results. Um, they've beaten Hajduk uh, the week before last on Halloween, one uh, nil was you know a really good, really good result for them, and took them off the bottom. Um, you know, prior to that, they were only on five points, so you know they were well behind. Uh, you know, both Lokomotiv and and Farazdin. Um, they have conceded, they have scored the least, they have conceded the most in the division. So it, it probably tells you sort of where they're headed. I think most people will probably accept that they're the most likely team to be relegated this season. They do have good players. Shimi Gilzan is you know, an extremely good winger. Uh, Inagalea, uh, who is in the defence, has you know, some very good from a statistical perspective in terms of his passing completion and things like that and he's a he does stuff um but there's not enough across the team really to be keeping up if they can keep into ninth then they will consider that a very successful season and hopefully at some point soon they will actually be able to fulfill the potential that is within that club and within that business relationship because so far you know i just i just really can't see how it's paying dividends for either for Istra or for Alaves in terms of how it's producing players. At the end of the day, is there that much utility you're getting from sending players to get beaten every week and, you know, in some cases get beaten quite badly? Um, you know, so as we saw with their 5 0 defeat uh, from Dinamo, uh, and you know, we're also including a 5 1 defeat to Slavin in that as well. So, with um, Croatia covered and sort of mindful that we've gone half an hour already i will move quite swiftly to the slovenian pure liga and the slovenian pure liga is essentially mad this season um anyone can be anyone uh as pretty much anyone has been anyone um the only team who are in any sort of form are promoted prepare who sit third but again we're going to go top to bottom uh, just as we have done with the croatian league so top at the minute <laughs> we have three teams maribor Mura and Skopje, all on 19 points. Maribor, even, are currently top on goal difference, but only by uh, one goal from Mura. Maribor have started with Sergei Kirovic, who lost to Coleraine in the Europa League in embarrassment, and replaced him with Maro Kamarunesi. This back end of last week, Slatko Zarevic came out, um, obviously the former sporting director of Maribor and was uh, slagging off Maro Camerunesi sort of just because he likes talking to the media basically. Um, what we've seen from Maribor since Camerunesi has taken over has been inconsistency. He has fixed one problem which is that Maribor really were had big creative problems. You know, that appears to be relatively sorted you know we've seen them be extremely prolific um so far this season you know their sort of previous game was a defeat from Donzal 4-3 um they've beaten Garica 4-0 um you know and they are able to score goals in bunches there's absolutely no disputing that problem is that the other big issue that Maribor has that their defence isn't very good, hasn't been solved. 
Uh, and you can bet that actually looks worse than ever uh, since that you know, definite starter, Noemi Mitrovic, was uh, injured this past weekend and is out for the remainder of the season. So <laughs> while they are the top scorers in the division, they're also one of the uh, teams who've conceded the most in the division with 15 goals in 11 games conceded so far. They are the epitome of inconsistency. Uh, and while Cameron Acey, like I say, has fixed what I thought was one of the really big problems with Maribor, I think, you know, it was the biggest one to sort. The defensive side of it is now such a great problem in comparison to the creative side of things that he's going to have his work cut out there. Uh, if he can fix that, and he'll fix it uh, before we hit the winter break, so that's you know, we've still got five, uh, six or seven game weeks before that point, then Marvel League, we have a really good chance of just walking away with the league. Because the teams behind them are just equally... Uh, confusing. In second we have NS Mura. Mura are probably the most confidently run club in Slovenia. Um, and they have a, a good fan base. Um, they are very solid. Uh, they've only conceded six goals this season which is you know, a, a really good record by anyone's estimation. Sort of similarly to what we said um, about Valentin in the INL. Mura's top performers haven't necessarily hit form. So last season, yeah, one of the top two or three players in the league was Mura's Luka Bobacanic, who is an absolutely fantastic attacking midfielder on his day and has you know, a real hammer of a, a, a left foot and can cause some absolutely spectacular goals, as we've seen uh, again and again, if you've been watching uh, him at Mura for the past couple of seasons. He hasn't really uh, turned up too much this season, nor has uh, main striker Albin Rosa. What we've seen has been some very promising uh, sort of cameos from Kevin Zizek and Kai Schiphol, and also his uh, brother Theo. Um, there are definitely young players coming through there, which will form the bedrock of the team in the next couple of seasons. And it's not on a weird transition. I certainly do fancy that they would be my picks to win this championship this season. They do have a very strong side if Bovacanic and Marissa you know, really start performing, which you know, is, is perfectly possible. Um, but at the same time, what's come, what we're seeing with the team is uh, young players come through who suggest that actually the nearest peak's going to be next season or the season after rather than this season. If Mura are able to secure this, Timing, you, know, you could actually sort of see them become you know, a, a mini dynasty almost, given that they do have uh, plenty of really good players coming through. Um, but they do sort of have to get those players into form. Um, it's not really, how do you say the word acceptable? Um, because obviously it is entirely acceptable for uh, them to be not picking up full points. But if you look at their, at their last four games, you've got uh, one all draw against Domsal, nil-nil draw against Elias, nil-nil draw against Tabor Shazana, and a win over Maribor, albeit Maribor down to 10 men. You know, there's a couple of games in there where you'd be saying, well, you know, sorry, Mira, you should be winning that, uh, particularly the Tabor Shazana game. Um, they need to get themselves up to that level, quite simply. In third, uh, the promoted side, Copea. Now, um, this is rather surprising, I think, for everyone, because Copea have, at the start of the season, really didn't look that great. 
and as things have gone on they just look better uh, and better as we go um and obviously the big results they've had so far this season have been very notable you know we absolutely battered uh Celia 3-0 uh this past weekend they defeated Olympia 2-1 um they managed to draw against uh Maribor at uh, Luskivit as well uh, you know which is very a bunch of very impressive results whether it's um something that's sustainable or not it's another matter you know a lot of it's been driven by having Dario Vietic uh in uh, when you have Dario Vietic even though I think he's 36 now you get consistent and high quality set pieces coming in and they've been able to make the most of that um against Celia you know it's, it's always the ability from open play as well they just have a guy who is a pure creator and who is um certainly a level above what most teams their stature are able to get even at his certainly his twilight years um one point back from the top three are olympia and olympia gonna olympia so at the moment um we there have even more uncertainty than the normal because of the um milan mandovic is poorly with covid as uh, so we do obviously everyone uh, i'm sure listening uh, and myself obviously wished him a swift recovery um Olympia fans were probably sort of thinking that's the only way to actually get him out of the club if he um, exits stage left as it were but uh, certainly um, we will see how he goes and as I we do wish him all the best um, Olympia's form this season has just been it's been Olympia it's been predictable and it's unpredictability so if you look again at sort of those last five games um, lost to Copair beaten Garuccia beaten Bravo lost to Tavo Susana beating Celia you're like oh okay there is bits of hope in there there are bits of weirdness um again so similarly to Maribor it's the defense that's a bit creaking they haven't quite started firing from an attacking sense either they brought in Georgi Ivanovic and Andrei Svonberga uh in this summer and you know because they still have Andrei Dukas throughout the club as well but you know they have three really good strikers there Ivanovic in particular has looked on it so far but sort of on it more from a creative sense than necessarily a striking sense um which you know when you are very handsomely paid to score goals is a bit of an issue um it's very hard as always to sort of analyze or give any sort of predictions on olympia because they do just seem so inherently random um so we will swiftly go on from olympia uh because as I say, the most you can ever say about Olympia is that they are Olympia. Um, and to the team in fifth, two points behind for Olympia, which is Jerry Box 24, Tabo Shazana. Now, Tabo Shazana are interesting in so much as their form is kind of predictable. Um, they have a better home advantage uh, than any club. So when we look at their uh, wins and losses this season, it's five wins one loss five draw sorry five wins one draw five defeats their one draw was away so and all their victories have been at home which probably tells you all you need to know about the sort of home advantage you get from Sergio Raikos Dolpa which is um by far the tightest ground in the league and uh, they've become a bit of a firm favorite with uh 
with fans just because it's an idiosyncrasy of being really too small to be a ground that's actually uh, hosting top flight football certain pitches <laughs> if, if nothing else which I was desired to get into Europe they sure as heck would not be allowed to play games there um, in the Europa League that is for sure uh, obviously they had Cameron AC go and Goran Stankovic come in as manager it is, it is done okay I mean they are a side which are going to live and die on their home form uh, so far they've got managed 16 points uh, out of that from 11 games and they're far from the worst side in the league um, so I, while their focus is always going to be on um, making sure that they uh, aren't relegated they're probably very safe this season I think in sixth place three points behind from Davos Lovana are a team who uh, have linked up with a set of cherries that aren't Tavos Sazana. It's Celia who uh, recently announced a uh, alliance, I suppose, uh, of sorts with AFC Bournemouth. Now, Celia have had a very weird season, as I think most people will probably know. Um, in terms of sales, obviously they've lost Dario Vizinga and Michel Otrich. In terms of bringing players in, they've brought uh, back Filip Dangovic and then think probably it's fair to say that they sort of realised okay actually Dangovic maybe isn't the player to sort us out and brought in Roman Beziak. Beziak has looked okay so far um, much as he looked at Olympia sort of okay but you're thinking well okay this guy was you know Savini's main striker for quite some time. Um, sorry I think my um, Google Assistant may have just chimed in then. So if you did hear a, a, a female voice in the background, that was Google. Thanks. Um, uh, obviously, she wanted her uh, to stick a roar in about what I was saying about Celia. Um, they are still a very good side. They are still you know, a very firm side at the back. I think they've not quite had the discipline uh, of last season uh, yet. Um, so it's sort of seeing a, a couple of positions. Uh, in terms of space at the back where you probably wouldn't have seen it uh, at any point last season in terms of the sort of exposure of uh, Rushman in the uh, in yours. But we are starting to see their form come back around. And they defeated Alumni this past weekend 4-0. Um, I think Europe was a big distraction for them and sort of just getting players sorted out was a big distraction for them as well. Um, in terms of the, the sales and purchases and the, the transfer deals that they've had to make. I think we will see them accelerate as the season goes on. Um, and they're probably very fortunate in so much as the league has been essentially random enough to ensure that no other side has been able to sort of take a commanding lead. You know, if Maribor or someone like that had been top on 25, 26 points from 11 games rather than 19, you would probably be discounting Celia on 13 points already. We're not at that position uh, by any stretch of the imagination. In behind Celia is uh, the other Ljubljana club, uh, Bravo, uh, who haven't got the players they have last season, is uh, quite simply the, what's, what's going on with them. Uh, they do have a game in hand uh, on the rest, but their rise uh, last season was through having uh, Klamaric and uh, in particular Rocco Batavina up front uh, this season they've got Michele Seco who has, you know, I think we all sort of hoped he would be able to show uh, the form that you know, originally had him very highly rated at Hajduk, he's not 
so far and um, it may be a bit of a struggle for them uh, for the remainder of the season if he's not able to find the scoring touch again I don't think that by no means are they the worst team in the division and they have enough about them uh, you know they have a pretty solid-ish backline uh, led by David Bacalov and they are you know still aside for plenty of attacking intent um, if they're able to maybe find that extra player over the winter to sort of complete the formula up front and make it work a bit better then they will kick on I'm not sure what they have at the minute is uh, enough to sort of push them beyond what they were achieving last season and into a really firm mid-table club and they will probably be aside looking over their shoulders if not one in that much trouble three sides who are in that much trouble are the bottom three which are this season so far Domzal, Gorica and Alumni all of whom sit on nine points all of whom have played different amounts of games so Domzal are on nine points from nine games uh, they have two games in hand on Gorica and one game in hand on Alumni, who are bottom. To start with Domzal, Domzal's league position is a bit misleading at the minute because they have had a absolutely epic um, outbreak of coronavirus at the club, which has essentially uh, hit the whole squad. Um, even so, you know they've had promising results. Um, the last two games, okay, they lost to Maribor, but it was 4-3. You know, it's, it's still impressive if you're scoring three goals against Maribor. They drew one all against Mura, albeit Mura were down to 10 men, but again, that's still a decent result. They need a bit more. They're not recovered yet from the absolute calamity that was last season. But I mean, it is really quite hard to pull too many conclusions of them because of just how disrupted uh, this season's been. And they've certainly not been able to play with a full roster for the you know the past month, uh, which is obviously going to have an effect on form and on your potential. Going down to the bottom two then, Gorica and Alumni. For my money, Gorica are the worst team I've seen in the league this season, uh, but Alumni aren't far off it really. Uh, Alumni generally, for the past few seasons, have been exceptional in the first half of the season, but uh, then have sort of fallen away. This season they're going to have to hope that reverses um, because while they still have you know, some very good players at the club, I think they're really missing uh, in, in the middle Matic Bobranic uh, who uh, left and they're missing something up front as well. Um, they have been carved open quite easily, um, particularly through the middle. I think you know, they have good bits out wide, but uh, not enough of it. Gorica, Gorica are just a second division club at the minute. Uh, and while they've got those nine points and have a, a decent record so far again they're the team who ha doesn't have any games in hand on anyone else and i would expect them very much to be rooted close to the bottom for the remainder of the season so that is us for this very long um cap of uh, the slovenian and the croatian leagues over um this episode um i really do hope you enjoy it because obviously it's uh, nice to be able to go into depth on these uh, leagues and provide a bit more analysis uh, than we can provide in the uh, sort of shorter roundups we've been doing where we've been doing it far more uh, leagues in one go and um, we'll definitely be doing one of these for at least serbia um coming up but serbia probably will wait a bit because their 
14 games, so they're nearly halfway through. So it would sort of make sense to waste a few more games before uh, doing that particular one. Plus, there's um, 20 teams in the league, so that's going to take me some time if I'm <laughs> going at the pace I did going through these teams today. So thank you very much for listening. Uh, thank you very much for your subscriptions and reviews and all this and that. Uh, you know, it does all... Uh, yeah, it's very much appreciated from me, uh, but I will catch you next time.